Welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast with your hosts, Guy Alvarez and Tim Barron. This is the show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how they can help you get more leads and more clients. In today's episode, Guy chats with our guest, attorney Evan Schwartz, about how to go about finding promoting and growing a niche practice. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint to produce the results you want. Good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. My name is Guy Alvarez and today on the show we have Evan Schwartz. Evan is an attorney that focuses on insurance recovery and insurance claim law. And today we're going to be talking with Evan about how does a lawyer go ahead and find their their niche or their niche uh, and why is that important? And how does he use his niche to really grow his practice and acquire new clients? So welcome to the show, Evan. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me. So Evan, as I mentioned, you know, we a lot of our uh, listeners are, are lawyers that are struggling with their marketing. They're trying to figure out how to acquire more clients, how to generate more leads. And your story is, is, is rather interesting. Um, you decided to focus on a niche. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that came about and what was the process that you took to actually get to where you are today? Well, as a young lawyer, I worked for a big defense firm and that firm, among other things, represented large insurance companies defending environmental insurance cleanup claims and litigation. And during my stint at that firm, I met who would become my future partner. Um, And he and I both became solo practitioners, left that firm, and a few years later decided to join together and form a firm with a primary focus on insurance recovery for policyholders. Uh, We believed that there wasn't a lot of competition for that area, that it was an underserved legal need, and that it would be far more difficult for us as a small firm to pick up large insurers to defend those types of cases. So that was sort of the thinking behind us doing it. Um, And we both had a number of insurance recovery related cases at the time we formed the firm. Um, My ex-partner and I, I had less so because he had the uh, financial cushion to just focus on that recovery, whereas I was practicing what I like to call door law for two years right. <laughs> and learned, learned, learned a lot of things the hard way, although I've learned a lot of things in my career the hard way. But um, what was really, I have a sub-niche in long-term disability claims and litigation, and I do it all over the country. And when we formed the firm and opened the firm, was at a time when that particular industry had undergone a significant change and had shrunk significantly due to 
an abundance of claims being filed by professionals, uh, primarily chiropractors, orthopedic surgeons, and, and dentists, I would say, a vast majority of medical professionals. And the insurance industry stopped selling those policies in 95. Mm. And in 1996, when we opened our doors, they were beginning the process of denying and shutting down a lot of those claims. We had a little Yellow Pages ad back in the day when that's how you marketed right. <laughs> uh, for insurance recovery and calls from those types of professionals came pouring in in 1996. Wow. And it was, the two of us were like, wow, you know, what is this? And we started handling and litigating those claims in an environment where most people across the country had never even seen one of those litigations. Um, and so it, that particular sub-niche took off from there, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, but in the meantime, a lot of other types of claims came in through sort of the traditional advertising and some mass mailing and some other things that we did um, during that early time period. So we got, you know, a number of sort of liability coverage disputes, we would get property damage disputes, jeweler's block coverage cases, a whole mishmash of insurance recovery. Um, and it became basically the branding of that former firm of mine. I have since, for the last three and a half or four years, uh, had my own firm continuing the same practice area. Uh, but it, it's, it's never, changed since. Uh, the marketing has changed significantly, but the sure. niche practice area has never changed for me. And it's been, it's served me well for well over 20 years now. So that, that's interesting. So your, your niche originally was, or still is, I guess, insurance recovery. But out of that work, uh, you kind of stumbled upon a sub niche where you really have, you know, developed, uh, uh, a position of authority. So how does that happen? Like once you found that sub niche, how did you, other than doing the yellow uh, pages advertising, how did you get your name out there as someone that handled these types of claims? Uh, what are the, some of the activities that you were doing uh, so that people would know that you would be the guy that would handle these kinds of claims? Well, the marketing for these things has changed dramatically over the years. And um, for this particular sub-niche of insurance recovery in particular, it is very, very um, susceptible to the internet. There's an enormous number of, of clients that are clients, potential clients, and become potential clients through internet searches. Um, and that's kind of unique mm -hmm. because, strangely enough, there's, you wouldn't think you'd wind up representing a lawyer or a doctor or some Wall Streeter uh, through an internet search. But when those particular people go out in the universe and ask their family lawyer or their business lawyer for a, a referral for that, often they don't know anyone. Um, on top of that, many of those professionals know that they want to consult with a lawyer right away and don't want to tell anyone else right. that they are experiencing you know, some symptom that they believe is going to affect 
their ability to practice or to perform their occupation. And so they want that private, privileged consult. What does this mean? What do my policies say? What could happen? What are my options? And so they go on the internet. And as a result, in the modern era, you know, Google rules the universe. Whereas back when the internet was young, my former firm and former partner together in that firm, we had, we were, we were the tops of the natural rankings in every internet search engine for mm -hmm. search terms related to long-term disability. And it was a feast. Right. Um, nowadays it's all about Google and how much money they're going to get out of you. And so, you know, now you've got pay-per-click, but in addition to that, you also have the need to sort of use all the tools of social media that have become, I think, the norm for a great number of industries and certainly for my practice area, including all the areas of insurance recovery I do above and beyond long-term disability. Uh, and I need those in order to sort of increase my profile and my yep. recognizability amongst those people that I want to reach. No, and that's interesting. And clearly that's an evolution that we've been seeing uh, with, with many of our clients. Um, but I think you know, what you said is, is so uh, spot on though. It's not just enough to do a pay-per-click campaign. I know a lot of law firms and lawyers that, that will do pay-per-click, but you also invest in social media. Uh, you write a weekly blog post. Uh, the content that you're writing is, is informational in nature. You're not really necessarily pitching your services or pitching your expertise, but more trying to provide guidance to uh, uh, people that uh, have suffered a long-term disability uh, or have some other sort of uh, insurance recovery claim. Um, so tell, tell us, how do you find the time to, to do this and still be as busy as you are practicing law? Well, I occupy a unique space in my firm and maybe a unique space amongst a lot of lawyers. And I'll start by, you know, legal marketing 101, which is what I tell so many attorneys who are looking to grow their book of business, which is it's not optional for yep. you to not spend a significant committed amount of time on a regular repeated basis towards growing your book of business, towards growing your practice. And if you're not doing that in some way, shape or form, then you will not grow your practice. So it has to be as a big of a commitment as, as the commitment is to representing your clients on cases or to handling whatever other facets of your business. And I'm, I've placed myself in a position where I can spend 60 to 65% of my working day on things related to marketing, origination, growth, and management of the practice. Um, and so I am the person that does all of that on a regular basis for my practice. And I... I have discovered by doing that that I'm far more valuable to the firm sure. doing that than I was when I was further or more mired in the day-to-day -day activities related to cases. Uh, and I think I wish more attorneys would have that same mentality. It's, it's 
you know, the, the, there's a book out there called the, the E-Myth. I don't know if you ever read about it, no. but uh, in that book, the author states, you know, at a certain point in time, a business owner, which most lawyers are if, if they own their own practice or their own firm, um, you have to focus more of your time working on the business rather than in the business. And I think having the ability for to do that and to spend a good amount of time building your practice, creating relationships, doing marketing, sharing content, it all becomes really important. Um, you know, one of the things we often hear from lawyers is they're afraid to pick a niche or a niche. Uh, they feel like if they go down a particular route, then they won't be able to take other cases that may come their way. What is your opinion on that? My opinion is it's extraordinarily difficult to be profitable and successful as a generalist. I think that there are so many rich veins of law that having an area of expertise or specialization to use the words that you know make the the ethics gods sure. concerned <laughs> but for purposes of this particular experience discussion <laughs> i would right. say you know when you when you focus in on an, on a niche and focus in on a core area of practice or even if it's two core areas of practice mm -hmm. you're now really able to hone and focus what you're doing both in terms of marketing sure. uh, as well as the efficiencies of managing the business. So, you know, one of the ways that those people who are, let's say, less social people, who aren't people who are comfortable going out and networking in the traditional relationship building fashion, one of the ways I've seen them be successful as marketers is to become the expert in a particular field so that they're speaking about it, they're writing about it, they're, they're known, and, and then to make sure that the world knows or the world of potential clients and people who would refer you clients sure. know that you are the expert. Yep. Um, it's hard to do that if you're practicing you know, 72 areas of the law. Um, and it also is, is, is a world with the internet now where it's so much easier for a potential client to find somebody who practices in a specific area. Sure. And I think the public is more educated about that now. They don't go to, you know, they look for someone who does workers' compensation all the time, mm -hmm. does personal injury all the time, does wills, trusts, and estates all the time, not just the person who is a local person down the road because their office happens to be down the road. Sure. That may be reserved for, you know, significantly rural areas still. I'm not even sure. Yeah. But I know that in metropolitan areas, clients are looking for people who at least they believe handle those types of matters on a regular basis. Absolutely. You want someone that has that experience, right? Um, so what advice would you give, uh, you know, an up-and-coming lawyer or someone who's left a larger firm and is starting their own firm, um, what advice would you give them in terms of how to build that niche and, and you know, how to get going? I mean, because it might seem overwhelming if you're just getting started. You know, what, what are some things that you would suggest to, for them to do? Well, besides making that commitment of time and effort and besides the, the idea of focus or special, specialization, um, there is a world full of 
successful rainmakers at different levels. And the best way to learn is to try to meet them and learn what they do and then decide which of those techniques are going to work for you. It's such a broad question that, you know, I don't know who that person oh, is, what level they are as a lawyer, sure. and where they have landed. Are they a solo? Are they in a small firm? Are they a mid-sized firm? Are they in a practice area? Do they like the practice area? Do they, mm -hmm. do they enjoy doing it and want to try to figure out a way to, to drive that area? You know, so, so you really, it's, since, since we're, we don't know who that particular lawyer is in this conversation, Part of it is identifying your strengths and weaknesses. I think that's great. And, yep. and, and then determining whether you want to be a leader in this field or whether you want to use techniques that you learn from other lawyers. And trust me, other lawyers like to tell you what they know. <laughs> and right. so if you are a willing listener and a positive asker, they will share with you right. what they do. Right. And then you can put that into your pipe and decide which part of it you want to smoke. <laughs> That's great advice. That, that is fabulous. All right. Well, I, we're almost out of time. Anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share with our audience and anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah. I, I just want to say that there's still no substitute for relationship building and networking yeah. and that never, ever goes away. Um, and so maintaining good relationships with people who can connect you to clients Absolutely. and figuring out a strategy to ensure that your clients themselves are happy because some of the greatest promoters that my firm has are my former clients and some of the biggest damage that you can do is is by having clients out there who aren't happy with the services that you provided or the manner in which you provided them. I think that's fabulous advice for not just lawyers, but for anyone really uh, in a professional setting. All right. Well, uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll you. put uh, Evan's website and his Twitter handle on the show notes. So if any of you want to contact Evan and pick his brain, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, he'd be willing to help. And uh, thank you very much, Evan. It's a pleasure having you here today. Thank you for your time. I may charge a cocktail for that, but I'm happy to do <laughs> no it. No problem. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, until next time, everyone. Before you go, if you like this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes that we have coming up with a lot of guests that you will love to hear. Uh, we're on iTunes and on SoundCloud, and you'll find the show notes for this episode and all of our episodes at gettobesocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>